There's something really powerful about just hearing words read from the Bible. And maybe you recognize that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you feel it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you feel it sometimes, but not all the time. There's something in this book that's just more than people's words. It's living. There's something amazing about it. And so if there's nothing else that you ever got from any experience in church or anything, just to recognize that this book is God's story, God's word, God's truth, and to just be willing to immerse yourself in it. Because we're going to see that, that, that immersion, that connection with God is the basis for everything that comes after. You might think you have problems in life, but what you might actually have is dis- disconnection from God. And uh, the analogy, the metaphor that Jesus uses that we're going to read today is about vine and branches. And it's very familiar. I love that we're reading this on Mother's Day. We just have a couple more Sundays before the end of um, May. And a couple more Sundays before we are finished with the book and the Gospel of John. And uh, each week it's felt just perfectly relevant for where we're at. So I'm excited for this week as well. And I need a volunteer to start us off. We're reading John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17. And uh, can I have someone who will read it out loud for us? You want to? All right, yeah, great. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of vine that does produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is separate from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away, like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great joy to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Amen.
Amen. Amen. So we go back to our initial question. If Jesus is the vine and the branches, how is that also a perfect metaphor for moms? What if this whole passage was about moms? Or about parents? Or about spiritual parents? Right? The mom is the vine and the kids are the branches. That makes sense, doesn't it? That like fits. The offshoots of your family, your DNA, right? But also your personality and, and your, your, your teachings, the things you've raised kids to be like and talk like, they come out from us. And we see kids bearing fruit, and we're like, oh shoot, they got that from me. <laughs> right? <laughs> and occasionally it's, yeah, they got that from me, right? But that might be the smaller, the bigger is probably like, oh, <laughs> they're from us. Uh, it's pretty personal, right? Usually the kind of fruit, the kind of branch that grows off the tree is similar to the tree. You know, apples grow from an apple tree, but sometimes there's adoption. Sometimes a branch gets grafted in, and sometimes there's a different kind of child from a different kind of background. Sometimes we adopt our children's friends into our family, and they become part of the family. And so their vines, their branches coming off of our vine as well. Does it make you think about moms? Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> That's kind of true, right? Moms have this beautiful power in their families. It's good. It's good. What else? What else? Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Sometimes we are places, and we hear our mom whispering in our ear even when she's not there. Right? Yeah. Still hear Skip whispering certain things, how she would say it. Our moms are with us even when they're not with us because they've raised us. Yeah. If you love me, you will obey me. Does that sound like a mom? I think so, right? I love you no matter what, but you better obey me. It's part of the deal. The fourth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land God is giving you. Like, if you don't honor your parents, you're in trouble and you're going to pay the price. But if you respect them, if you love them, if you obey them as children to parents, it comes with blessings, it comes with rewards, it comes with future it comes with hope. So I just couldn't help but look at the parallel of vine and branches from Jesus to mothers, from Jesus to his disciples, from mothers to their children, from adults to kids, and just think there's a lot we can learn one way to the other. Not all of us have biological children, right? So what does it mean to be a branch for others to be grafted in? That's the whole story of our faith, right? We weren't born into God's family. We were adopted in. So how do we adopt in the children around us? You know, adults, every child in this church in some way or form is one of your kids. You're meant to nurture them and foster them. They're kind of grafted into your family. We share the family. We're grafted into Christ. So I couldn't help but think about that. And then I couldn't help but take it a step further and think, you know what? We're meant to bear fruit out in the world. This isn't just a parable or a story or a metaphor about us and Jesus. Because the fruit isn't ever for the tree, right? An apple tree doesn't bear fruit for itself to eat. The tree is rooted in the soil. And it bears fruit for others to eat or for other trees to be planted. So there's got to be like a missional and outreach, a, a, an evangelistic kind of component to this. Otherwise, what's the point of fruit? 
And so all these thoughts kind of got me, got my wheels spinning, and I'd like to try to learn some lessons from the vines and the branches. So there were six things that stood out to me, and I think they have a relationship to us with Christ. We look at and a relationship to us and our moms, or if we are moms, for your moms in this room, what this can say to you about you and your children. And also for us, just as believers with the world around us, we're meant to bear fruit. This is not just a family thing. It's not just a biological thing. With Christ, none of us are biological family. It's just, um, it's an identity thing. Whose family are you in? So here are the thoughts that came to me. I want to encourage you to think about them and see if it spurs on even any more thoughts. With vine and branches, branches are slow growth. Slow growth. How long does it take for that tree in your backyard to really grow big? Years and years and years. How long does it take for branches to stretch out? Years and years and years. Our faith in Christ is exactly the same way. We make investments in prayer today, tomorrow, and the next day. Not just for today and tomorrow and the next day. We make investments in prayer for weeks from now and months from now so that that prayer investment is ready. And at the moment where we need to be talking to God, it's not, all right, God, I know I haven't talked with you in a while, but can you step in and help me? That's not from a place of relationship, right? That's going to God just to fix our problems. We make investments long-term, like an hourglass, right? One grain of sand at a time. And then when it's time to turn it over and we need some of that, it's stored up, it's invested, it's saved, it's built upon, there's a foundation. This is what faith is like. We don't pray today just for the issues of today. We pray today so that we're building a connection with Christ so that when we need it down the road, it'll be there. And we won't be the greedy, selfish children that just do whatever we want and then we have a problem, come back and say, fix it, parents. Like, we've been together this whole time. Can I draw upon that now? Will you be with me in this hard time, just like we've been? In these, we pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom now and pray for wisdom next month so that when you get to the moment where you need the wisdom, you've been building this investment. Of wisdom. It's long, slow growth. We're not impulsive in our faith. We're like long and deliberate, just the way a tree is. And we can find sometimes that we get to a moment we need it and there's nothing there. You're like, God, why have you abandoned me? He's like, why haven't we been building this thing up so it was strong enough that when this happened, you'd be fine? Why haven't we been putting down deeper roots so that when we got to the really big storm, you'd be rooted? The storm's knocking you over. Roots don't grow fast. So yes, I can do a miracle and fix your problem today, but you need better roots. This problem actually wouldn't be as much of a problem if you had the bigger roots. It would just kind of blow you around a little bit and you and I would be fine. We, we can't be impulsive in our faith. We have to look at it in the long Oh, it's a long, slow process. I pray today so that a year from now, that prayer investment will be there when I need it because I don't know when I'm going to need it. You pray in advance. You water and you fertilize in advance. And then you're healthy. And when the unexpected comes, it's like, okay, we've got this because we're strong. So I encourage you to think about your faith in that way. Don't just pray for today's needs. Build deep roots. So parents, this is the long game too, right? We're not just hoping that our kids are good today or good tomorrow. We want them good for a lifetime. So it's a different perspective than just trying to get a kid to obey today. What will it be like to help raise children so that 10 years from now, they're living with God, learning from Him, having their own relationship? Impulsive parenting sometimes stunts growth. Long-term parenting, shooting for the end goals. 
We'll help our children grow to where they need to be. Think about this in terms of now outreach, right? The people around us, our neighbors that we want to introduce to God. We're not trying to get quick converts. Someone could say yes to God today and no to him tomorrow. We're trying to get like eternal siblings in heaven. People that make it all the way through life, all the way through judgment, all the way to heaven. What will it take to nurture that relationship? To plant that seed? So we can do lots of quick fix sort of like outreaches, and, but then it's all over and it's gone. And someone is left sort of like reeling. Like, what was that all about? Wow, that was kind of... No. We're trying to plant trees. We're not trying to get cut flowers. We don't want something just for the moment that doesn't last. We want eternal life. So slow growth is something we see in vines and branches. Invest ourselves in our faith. Invest ourselves in our children. Invest ourselves in the people around us for long-term growth. It will change what we do if you're not trying to make it just okay for a minute, but you want it to be good forever. This is what Jesus promises to help us with long-term growth. All right, the second lesson we can learn from vines and branches is fruit is mandatory. Mandatory fruit. We have to have something that comes from it. Because God is a living being and his spirit in us is alive. And so if there's something alive happening in us, we are going to be alive in some way. Internally and externally. So everyone who is living with God, walking with Jesus, should say, this stuff on the inside of me is just changing. My, my patience is changing. My self-control is changing. My desires are changing. That's fruit. Fruit isn't always, oh, I made a meal for someone or I, I gave generously. Those are external and those are good. And those are also mandatory. But what about us? How are we growing? What is the internal fruit that we're changing? And then because we're changing on the inside, who are we mentoring? Who are we guiding? Who are we kind of like putting our arms around because we see that they need it? Who are we sharing with? Who are we teaching? What comes out of that? We know this in faith, but what about for our our kids? For those of us who are parents, for those of us who are adults in this church with the kids we're trying to raise up. We eventually want them to grow up, to become the sort of persons that have this internal growth Mindset, if we can steal that terminology, they're looking to always grow in their faith, but also always doing things to the people around them and not in a sense, some sense of like obligation because that's who they are. We want to see fruit. You can tell me you're going to do something as much as you want, but until it actually happens, it's just talk. Our faith is not supposed to be talk, family is not supposed to be talk. It's supposed to be how we live because of who we are identity and fruit. So this fruit is mandatory. Um, I think about it in terms of the people that we love, people we're trying to introduce Christ to, our neighbors, our, our unbelieving loved ones. We're saying, no, God is good. We're trying to build those relationships. We're not just looking for people to say, okay, yeah, I'll come to church. Or, okay, yeah, I guess I believe in a God. We're actually looking for them to become thriving trees on their own with fruit that's growing independently of us. We don't want to become so necessary that if we step out of someone's life, there's nothing happening in their life on their own. Each one of you and me, we need independent faith. We're our own branch. We don't need just to have little branches off of us. We need branches off of Christ that continue to bear their own fruit long after we're gone. This is legacy kind of statements. This is future. This is what happens after us type statements. Not just who can we help and who can we like hold together for the short term. It's not us and it's not short term. Our goal is to produce producing people. Fruit is mandatory. 
It's mandatory in our families. We can't just say we love each other. It has to manifest itself in things like dishes, in things like saying I'll be there at, at 2 o'clock and then being there at 2 o'clock. It has to manifest itself in behaviors and actions that show that the words we're using are true. Are we really in Christ? Then we should see these things happening inside and outside of us. It's not optional. The dead branches are the ones with no fruit. And this brings us to the third point. Uh, useful loss. Loss can be really useful. This is the pruning that Jesus talks about. God sometimes takes things away from us, or sometimes he allows things to be taken away from us, and it's a loss. And sometimes that loss will be what spurs us on to growth we never would have experienced, that helps us grow in a way that we never would have grown. Helps us become who we never would have become. Loss is useful. Pruning is useful. And it's painful. And it's hard. Um, with, with parenting, it, it's so personal, right? If our kids mess up, it feels like a personal indictment. I didn't raise them right. I didn't do enough. I should have done something more. What if I'd said this? If I'd only corrected? If I'd only rewarded or punished or something or set a better example? And that loss can be useful. That failure can be useful. When we see parents that are experiencing loss in the lives of their children, failure in the lives of their children, rally around those parents. Say, God can use this loss. God can grow us from this loss. Because the opposite is we just have to fake it all the time and pretend to look good when things are actually falling apart. What would it be like for the people that know that you're a Christian if all they see is you trying to pretend like everything's okay. If when they come into church, it's a bunch of people in nice clothes just saying all the nice things. Like, that's unrelatable. That can't help me because I'm not in a good spot. But what if in places here we're celebrating who God is in our losses and failures? That feels like the sort of place that people need to be. I've had a couple of years of tremendous loss, tremendous failure. Who is God in those moments? Who is God to us? Who are we speaking Him to be in our loss and failures? It's important. Loss is useful, can be used by God. Um, we need to see what God can teach us through it. You know, they, what's, the, the one, what's the expression? I'm drawing a blank on it now. Uh, it's... It's kind of like when, not when the going gets tough, but like you see who people are when times are tough. There's some phrase for that. Does anybody remember it? Times are tough, the tough get going. Something like that. It's along those lines, but I can't exactly remember it. But true colors. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Like, you know, squeeze an orange and see what comes out or something. Like, there's, there's some statement that says it much better than I can right now. But when we're in our worst times, what do people see from us? Right? It, it should be reliance upon God. It should be clinging to the vine. It should be prayer. It should be God help me through this. It should be some sense of trust even in the midst of possible trauma or whatever outcomes could come. Um, the world needs to see more of that. More of Christians relying upon God. When we're put under pressure situations, they need to say, even this can somehow be for God's glory and for my good. It's not good, but God is good. All right, the fourth thing. Uh, it's connectedness or bust. 
connectedness or bust. Jesus did say, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can try to do things your own way. I can try my own way, but it's not going to work. It's not going to bear fruit. It may bear short-term fruit. Other religions may look good in some ways, but will fall short in the most important ways. Um, Trying to keep ourselves fit and healthy and eat right and exercise will be good, but it's a short-term. Everybody just gets older and weaker eventually, and we all die. So we have a short-term of health and fitness and maybe we stretch it a little bit. What's the long game there? Connectedness to Jesus. Everything we do has to come from a place of connectedness. So um, buying a car, that has to come from a place of connectedness to Christ. You've given us this money. We want to be good stewards of it. What's your will? I'd like to make a wise purchase. How will you lead me? Where should I go? How can I not let money stresses ruin my marriage while we're trying to just make a purchase? How can we set a good example to kids about how to use money and how not to? How can we trust you and and have faith for future bills that we don't know where that money's going to come from? Those sorts of statements, they can all be wrapped up in just a car purchase. You're purchasing a car out of your connectedness with Christ. I want to know how to um, have a good testimony at work. So we go to the office. Well, you've got a commute that gets you there. You've got people that you sit next to. You've got meetings that you sit in. How can any of that be something that's Christ-honoring? How can my speech, how can my responses, how can my repaying good for evil, how can my patience in traffic and commuting, how can my talking with my boss about raises and looking for fairness, how can my not talking about people behind their backs at the water coolers, how can my uh, speaking Jesus' name or quoting scripture in conversation, how, how can my job come from a place of connectedness to Christ? We talk about our work, is it, oh, i got to go to the office. What example are we setting to our kids then? God gave you that job. He's providing for the family. Thank you, God, for my job, even if it's miserable some days. Thank you, God, for the blessing of being able to have this education that provided me that job, even if my boss is miserable to work for. Thank you, God, for, you know, what what does our work have to do in relationship with Christ? When you find that, now you're a Christian employee. You're a Christian, Christ-like car owner. You're a Christ-like market basket shopper. You're a Christ-like gym goer. Workouter. You're a Christ-like parent. You're a Christ-like neighbor. You're doing everything out of a sense of connectedness to Christ. You're not just living your life and then you catch up with him in the morning over a cup of coffee or catch up with him on Sunday. Not going to see fruit. Day to day, minute to minute, unless we're living and abiding in him. That's the abiding. It's connectedness or nothing. We need to stay connected to Christ. We need to fight for that at all costs. Two more. One, long branches. We want long branches that reach out as far as we can get them and drop fruit as widely as we can scatter it. You don't want an apple tree with teeny tiny little apples and right around the base of the trunk just a nice mound of apples. The apple tree doesn't need the apples. The people outside of the apple tree need the apples. The trees that are going to be planted don't just need to be all crowded in a little huddle. We need to stretch out and drop that fruit as far as our range of influence goes. We didn't get saved by God to just huddle in our houses with Him. 
And stay local and stay small and stay safe because the world's a scary place. That's not our faith. Our faith is more risky than that. Our faith is more dangerous than that. So don't just say, thank you for the apples and like hide in home, put the blanket over your head and just eat the beautiful fruit that God's given you. It's not what it's for. It's not just for us to enjoy. It's for us to bear fruit for others. The apple tree doesn't eat apples. The apple tree propagates. So we've not been saved to just huddle in our homes and thank God that we've been saved. We've also not been saved to just hang out with Christians all the time. They're also apple trees and apple branches. So it's not just good to stay in the Christian huddle all week long. Because then we're just like trading apples with people who already have apples. And right outside that, where arms could just reach if we would stretch out, there are people starving. And we're sitting in our huddle loving the apples and feeling nourished. I love Christian fellowship because it makes me feel so good. Yeah, well, there are people right outside of your reach there that have no fellowship, have no hope, have no eternal life, have no love. So stop hoarding the apples. Stretch the branches out. Be risky. Give your last apple and trust that God will grow another one when you need it tomorrow. Just reach. That's the metaphor of branches. You know, the orchard's supposed to expand. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed and when it's planted, and it grows. Not like when its seed is planted and then we hide it. It's not the way it's meant to be. So parents, here's the metaphor for us and our kids. Don't tie them up at home. Don't hope they always stay close to home. Don't fight them to go to college close to home. Don't try to get them jobs that will keep them local. Don't tell them how amazing it would be if they lived in your house until they were 45. Don't continue to do everything to just keep them close, keep them close, keep them close. You love them. Yes, they are your apples. You love them. Reach out and share them. Let them stretch their wings because they are going to get stunted growth if all they're doing is just dropping on the ground right underneath the apple tree and trying to grow in their own trees. It's not going to happen. There's already a tree there. There's already a family there. There's already a mom there. There's already a dad there. They have to go out. And that's hard because all of your love and energy has been poured into growing that fruit and then you have to let it go. That's the plan. That's the plan. Some parents do much disservice to their children by clinging to them when they should be letting them put down their own roots. Too many parents-in-laws really damage their kids' marriages by being too over-involved. And it comes from a place of like misguided love. Like, I'm trying to love, I'm trying to help, but that's not your tree. Hands off. Hands off. Let them grow their own tree. What if in trying to help our kids, we end up ruining their marriage because of all the conflict we create in their marriage while they're fighting about us? Come on. That's not getting us what we want. That's not the long-term goal of a healthy tree. Eventually, our tree will die off. We'll be in heaven. That tree's got to last and outlast us. So don't do things now that's going to make it weaker. When we're gone, it's not as strong as it could be. Have to let the fruit plant and propagate on its own. This is the same thing for us with faith too, right? Reach out. And then the people that we tell about God, like, wow, God is great. This is amazing. Don't just come to our church. <laughs> Don't just sit at home and read your Bible. Sit at home, read your Bible, go to church and reach out yourself. You now have your own fruit. It's your job to stretch. And it's uncomfortable to stretch. And you're stretching out into unknown territory. And sometimes... 
It doesn't work, and sometimes it's painful, and sometimes those little thin branches that are stretching get snapped off. Okay, keep stretching. We're not meant to be collectors of people. We're meant to be scatterers of seeds. So this is a perfect metaphor for us as families and parents and church and faith and outreach. We need long branches, long branches. And the last one, last thought that came to me, I'm sure there's a million more and I hope more will come to our mind as we think about this. Maybe today as you talk with your moms or spend time with family, you'll think of even more ways that moms are like Christ and home families are like the family of God. But the last one I thought of this morning is that Jesus is the vine. He's the vine, not us. And if we make our children dependent upon us and not dependent upon Christ, they're going to ultimately wither and we're going to get worn out. <laughs> if there's branches off of branches off of branches, the end of that doesn't have a lot of sap making it to the branch. But if all the branches are right off the main vine, they've got as much nourishment as they could ever want. John the Baptist said this, and we've talked about this in relationship to parents. I hope you remember it. If you don't, please put this in your mind. What did he say about Jesus? I must become less so that he can become more. Right? John the Baptist is a very prominent figure. People are rallying to him, but only for a time, and he knew it. He was waiting for his moment to step out of the limelight and say, my time's over. My time has passed. I handed off the torch. This is the one I was talking about. He didn't fight Christ for authority. He didn't fight them for followers. He sent his followers onto Christ, and that's what parents have to do with children. You have to become less in your child's life over time. But as we become less, that's the risk. <laughs> Who will become more? Uh, maybe money will become more in the place of us. What's going to take that void? Maybe their relationships and their dating relationships, which we're not sure if they're healthy or good, like that's going to become all important to them. Um, maybe the world's value system will step into that void that we're creating. Well, that's the risk, and, and staying in a monopolizing position in their life is not, going, is not the better solution. The solution is that Christ might become more and more and more in their lives. Are our kids tied to Jesus apart from us? Then they've got every hope of success for the rest of their lives and for all eternity, and for all of their children, and all the fruit that they'll bear, and all the places that they will stretch out to. But we must become less so that Christ can become more in our children's lives. So be strategizing, parents. How can I hand the baton to Christ? You know, as young kids, you're like te teaching them everything, basic life skills and functioning and, and manners and, and everything about life. How do we step out of that role and usher Christ into that role so that they begin to feed from Him and from His words and from Scripture and from the Holy Spirit? ultimate job for parents is to work themselves out of a job. You'll always love and you'll always be there, but it has to change. Kids have to become adults. They can't stay as kids forever. And so therefore the ultimate goal of us sharing our faith is not to just create spiritual babies that are following us around, toddling after us as if we're some great example. It's to help the people we meet connect to Jesus. That's why you can meet someone one day and have it be enough. You know, meet them on the train, meet them at a job, meet them at serve home. Because you're not trying to get them to come to your church. If you never see them again, it's okay if they're still connected to Christ. He'll take it from there. That's, that's why we don't measure, you know, success by church attendance. That's why we don't want to be having like 
80 people all around us needing us at every moment. We're trying to hand people to Christ, be an intermediary, introduce them to him and say, he has what you need. That's what church should be. It should be people pointing other people to Christ. And we walk together for as long as God ordains it. So slow growth, mandatory fruit, useful loss, connectedness or nothing, long branches, branches, and Jesus being the true vine. Do you notice that he used the word true? He said, I'm the true vine. That means there's false vines. There are lots of things that we can tap into for our sense of fulfillment, life, energy, meaning, purpose. There's all sorts of options for that. What will be your source of identity? What will be your children's source of satisfaction and pride and motivation if it's not Christ, it's going to be a false vine, and it's not going to support them when they need it most. It's just going to lead them to failure and loss and ultimately to death. So we have to make sure that we're all tied into the true vine. So here's where we take a minute. You take a minute and just think. This week, right? This is Mother's Day, so start today. And this week, what aspects of this abiding that we've been defining here, six facets of abiding in Christ, does God want you to put into practice? Remember, fruit's mandatory. So me, you, we're all responsible now for what we've been told by Scripture, for what God has put into our mind. We had that aha moment at some point this morning. It's not meant to be lost. It's not meant to be wasted. Let's take a minute. I have the music team come forward. We'll close in just a moment with a song and a prayer. Um, but I know that there's something that God wants us to take from this, not just to feel good about ourselves, like, oh, that was a good Sunday sermon. That was a good song. That was a good time of fellowship. For what? To nurture us so that we grow, so that we stretch, so that we bear much fruit. That's how we bring glory to God, by bearing fruit in His name and His way. So please just take a moment, think about whatever it is that God's saying to you right now, and make a commitment with Him that this week that thought will bear some fruit.